Unfortunately, in 2018, we're in a world where a lot of people just jump from relationship to relationship, which I think was, was what causes half the problems we have in society. And that, I think that stems from a, a place of insecurity of not wanting to be alone, which, is, which can be a rough feeling. And that's something I forced myself into uncomfortably, was to be alone and be aware that you're alone, but stay alone. Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond, and this is a show where we make it easier for you to get uncomfortable. Uh, we explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone so you, you can find where the magic happens for you. And today we've got an awesome guest for you, Dallas Tahuna. Dallas is a Wellington local, he is a personal trainer, but he's also so much more than that, as you'll find out throughout our chat. So we talk about Dallas's background growing up in uh, Lower Hutt in Sydney and then, and then back in, in Wainui, and we talk through some of the adversity that he's faced throughout that process, including the breakup of his mum and his stepdad and him kind of becoming a father figure for his two younger siblings. Talk about him getting asked to leave school, going through a series of failures, uh, struggling with his mental health and what he's worked through in these areas to kind of come to the to the person that he is today and to be able to give back to the, the local community and kind of look to, to reshape the way that we do mental health and the way that we do physical health and how they're intertwined as well. Um, and I'm pretty excited to see where he takes this and where he, uh, where he goes with it. Um, but some of the stuff that we have a talk about today is is around self-awareness and how we can develop our own self-awareness. We talk about relationships and, again, how self-awareness plays into, into that. Uh, we talk about not doing the same shit over and over again. Uh, and we talk about Dallas's process for self-reflection and, and self-improvement as well. And why we need to go uphill rather than downhill. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to, to have a listen to Dallas and I today. As I mentioned in the last episode, I am I was honoured to be asked to be an ambassador for Floatwell in Wellington, which is a, a float pod centre. Uh, Sam and Kevin are amazing people. So if you guys want to go down and, and do a, a float or if you're interested in floating, um, pop in and see them or go online, floatwell.co.nz. If you use the promo code CHRIS, you'll get 15% off a, off a casual float if you want to test it out. So make sure to go and check them out, floatwell.co.nz. But thank you guys so much for getting un uncomfortable with Dallas and I today. Dallas, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast, mate. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, you too, bro. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming up on a slightly horrible Wellington day. Yes, but they haven't they haven't been great for the last month or so. So uh, it's right. But you don't live in Wellington for the weather, eh? Nah, not at all. Not at all. 
Cool. Dallas, just to kick things off, mate, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? So where you were born, where you grew up, were there any kind of big formative experiences when you were younger that have kind of shaped you as the, the Dallas you are today? I was born here in, in Lower Hutt, Wellington, Lower Hutt Hospital. At the time, it was just me and my mum. My mum had me real young, just turned 17 when she gave birth to me. So, I mean, not that it has any effect of, on anyone at that stage, but I'd say that'd be the first point of, of any sort of adversity or, or any sort of discomfort around building a stable home. Grew up in, in local Lower Hutt for the first six years of my life, and then due to the environment being, I guess, surrounded by negative role models or negative behaviours, you know, with, with local gangs and, and, and things and such, my mum decided to up and move me and her partner at the time to Sydney, Australia. I spent the next eight years in Australia living in Sydney with my mum and my stepdad. From memory, I played a lot of sport, did a lot of physical activity, spent a lot of time, I guess, just doing the basics, going to school, living a normal normal childhood. Um, but I guess all that came not so much crashing down, but it, all of that changed once my mum had my brother and sister when I was 11, who were twins. And then from that point forward, uh, it started getting a little bit harder. When I was about 13, my mum and stepdad at the time had split. And it was probably not the prettiest of splits, I would say. That kind of forced my mum, myself and my brother and my sister to move back to New Zealand. And I would say that was probably the first, from memory, heavy, heavy experience of adversity that I'd felt for the first time. So you were about 13 years old at the, at 13, the time. and you've 12, got, turning 13. Ah, yeah. yeah, 13. Yeah. And you've got some younger siblings that are kind of two or three so yeah, two, you've yeah. got a you, you kind of have the grasp of the situation pretty there, much but also the sort of the responsibility almost that you feel that you need to look after your little brother that and sister exactly too. it bro that was exactly and yeah and so because of that we moved back to wellington we ended up actually moving to winery because my brother and sister's dad his whole family live in winery so we thought as a, as a support network that would be the most logical decision to do is to move to Wainui. And you're right, I was forced into a position where I had to be not just an older brother, but now I guess the man of the house, the man of the house, sorry, as a boy. So I did a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have been doing at the time, like you know feeding my brother and sister, changing nappies, all that sort of stuff. I learned all that really early. And then to go from a school in Sydney, which was a very strict Catholic school, and then to come to Winery High, which was the complete opposite, uh, that was a bit of a wake-up call. And especially the environment itself is very rough. It's not like Sydney where it's all about, you know, outdoor activity and, and sunshine and beaches. So to go from that to, I guess, a lot of fighting and violence and, and drugs and alcohol, it was just a massive wake-up call. And then in conjunction, trying to adjust to the shift of moving back to New Zealand, I, I would say I was probably just thrown in the deep end, really not by by choice or anything and it, no it certainly wasn't obviously my mum's fault or anything like that but um that was just the the circumstance I was presented at such a young age and also it kind of uh, reinforced my pact with my brother and sister you know to, to not only just be their, their brother but I guess like a dad figure and so a lot of pressure on me to do well at school or at sports or whatever it, whatever it was yeah that was that was pretty that was pretty rough transition mm. so uh, when you when you say a lot of pressure to to do well at school and at sport was that 
external pressure from other people on you or that internal pressure that you felt oh, yeah. to, hey, I need to, I need to go and make something of myself here? Probably mostly an internal pressure, knowing that, you know, my mum had just pretty much gone through hell over the snap of two weeks. And then I've got to like pick up my game to, to support her and help her out. That was, that was pretty hard, especially because I was at an age where I probably thoroughly didn't understand what was going on and also probably didn't even want to accept what was going on. So I, I lived in resentment for the next year or two towards my, my stepfather, or stepdad, sorry. Mostly, yeah, resentment, guilt, and borderline hatred. I just remember the first two years being here, I hated it. was often bullied at Wainui High for being the new Australian kid with the accent, not just verbally as well, both verbal and physical. And then to go home and then, you know, have to help my mum out with the twins and stuff. Yeah, it was just probably just a real rough transition. Could you, was there anyone that you talked to? at that time about what you were going through or you just kind of kept it all all inside yeah I probably wasn't as open back then so no nah, I didn't talk to anybody I just kind of kept it all to myself and because I didn't really have any close ties here did feel like I was on my own and I understood that my mum was busy with my brother and sister and trying to you know look after them and build a new home for us and all that stuff so I kind of just left my mum to her own devices and try to do my own thing but um because she spent so much time with them it often left me by myself to just do what I wanted whether it be roam roam at night and I guess get up to mischief and get into a lot of trouble especially with things like police and teachers and all sorts of stuff I guess yeah it was it was um it was pretty hard and that kind of led to me also leaving school slash getting kicked out early I left school at the end of sixth form so I think that's like year 12 yeah, I think so. Yeah, I was only just 16. So, uh, yeah, I was asked to leave by the principal and I was given an ultimatum to either get my shit together or or go and work. And so straight away I had to go from being a kid to an adult and from that point on it was, yeah, it was just nothing but up and down, really, I guess, with trying to adjust to that. Was that kind of an easy decision for you to make? Just say, no, nah, actually, I don't want to I don't want to keep trying with school. I just want to, I've just had enough, I'm going. Yeah, it probably didn't help. I had a shit attitude. But yeah, it was a very easy decision because I knew I wasn't doing very well at school. I I was only going there just to you know, hang like everyone else does, hang mm. out with mates, yeah, eat, your, eat lunch, your lunch, play some rugby yeah. and then leave. But I was often hardly at school or I'd always turn up late. So that's what led me to, to being asked to leave. So I went straight into uh, studying, cor- uh, well, going to course, uh, studying building because my friends did it. But yeah, that was also another fail. So uh, yeah, from the moment I got asked to leave school, high school, it just felt like a series of fails after that, one after the other, for the next two years, I would say three years. Yeah. And why do you why do you think you kind of got into that that series of failures? Just I, I would boil it down to my attitude. As I look back, I, I probably felt self entitled to be honest. You know, playing the whole "woe was me" card and like this happened to me. I don't deserve this. I should have better, expect better, etc. So I think it was just a matter of my attitude as well as immaturity that led me to a lot of the dumb shit I did between the ages of 16 and 20. But obviously I wouldn't change it now because hindsight is obviously... Oh yeah, and I think it's with, <laughs> with that stuff is like whatever you go through, you get, you have that experience at the time and if you take the opportunity to use it as a, as a teaching experience as well which you don't always at the time especially if you've got 
that I'm entitled attitude going on, and I, I like I've been I've been there, and I've I've kind of had that as well. That you don't realise that at the time, but kind of you're slowly learning from it, and yeah. then actually when you look back later on that, you think, oh shit, I was doing all of this stuff that kind of wasn't wasn't serving me. I couldn't really see that at the at that point in time, but I can take that information now that I I know a little bit more and I'm a little bit more self aware and kind of utilize it to sort of shape my direction a wee bit more too. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly how it played out too. I mean as I look back on it now, it just felt like a whole big blur. But as I start to sift through some of the memories I can I mean I it was just little things like hanging out with the wrong people, going about things the wrong way straying away from what I was supposed to be doing or what I was told to do. Pretty much just what most teenagers, I assume most teenagers go through, but I probably pushed it to the extremity on some occasions. But I guess, uh, yeah, it was a good learning experience. But things probably didn't start shaping up for me until I started realising what I wanted to do in the the sense of, because I I originally wanted to do youth work as my first career pursuit in anything. And And I mean like a real awareness around what I wanted to do. And so... I, from all my experiences of doing holiday programs and looking after kids at the Valley Indoor Netball Centre and all these accumulative relative things lead me towards wanting to do youth work. And I remember the day I went to go enrol for that course, but they, it wasn't available at the time. And spontaneously, I just decided to do a sport and recreation course at the, at the lower, lowest end. And it's been since that point till now, I've stayed with the same career path, I'd say, yeah. So it was kind of a slowly coming to that realization over time that 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 was something that you you actually wanted to do, yeah, and definitely. that you were kind of passionate and excited about. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, probably part of the the failures that you had was through your your attitude to kind of and your approach to things as well. But part of often part of that attitude kind of also stems from something that you're not that excited about yeah. as well and okay. because you're not excited about it it's really kind of it's really hard to keep going back and doing that especially if you haven't kind of built up the habits and the skill sets of your and yourself a bit around the consistency to, yeah, to do it. that too Definitely. so was it like it was just kind of a it was a slow a slow build up or was there was there anything that sort of happened that triggered you to think yep no I'm going to go down and sign up for this course today well, actually, when I was growing up in Aussie, I a lot of my sports surrounded rugby or rugby league, and so for a lot of my younger life, I always thought that I'm either going to play professional rugby or professional rugby league. Funnily enough, I was actually on the right path towards a somewhat of a promising league career, but I felt like that was taken away from me the moment my parents split, and so... A lot of that resentment wasn't just because of the fact that, you know, my mum was broken or hurt, but it was also because I had my dream taken away from me without any input from me. And considering that my stepdad was a large part of that career pursuit, you know, in terms of he was taking me to the rep games and buying my rugby boots and always supporting me playing, I just felt like the moment their relationship ended was the moment my pursuit towards that also ended. And so trying to re-pick that up in New Zealand in a new environment with new people and new players... It just didn't feel the same and so I think a lot of the resentment of not continuing that is what contributed to my overall shitty attitude and not wanting to do anything else. So I lived a lot in the past and I truly believe living in the past mentally causes heavy, heavy, severe depression. So unconsciously, I I, now looking at it, I was probably depressed without even knowing and I didn't realise that until probably in my early 20s. So it took me 10 years to realise my mindset at that age. 
because I was obviously completely unaware. And you, as you are when you're a lot younger, yeah, that was probably the hardest thing to not just accept but also let go was what my stepdad did to my mum, considering I've always been a huge mum's boy since I was little. And then to top that off, taking my, you know, my favourite career pursuit away from me, which left me with kind of nothing to pursue until that day where I went down to the course and when I saw that there wasn't a youth program available and I saw there was a sport and recreation one I thought to myself well at least if I can't become a somewhat of a professional sports player myself at least I can help other people get to that point at least and then I can still stay relative to that at least in some way so that's what probably triggered me to do that and also was something to do because at the time I wasn't doing anything so I was I felt like kind of useless and some way worthless so I just thought I would sign up to this course to one get back on that path that I I lost earlier and two to fulfill my time because I wasn't doing anything at the mm. time. And that, I mean that's kind of a, it's a painful experience to go through as well as that not just the kind of the discomfort of signing up for something new and and going into the uncertain but just sort of sitting there as well and having that that pain and that resentment build and that feeling of of guilt and worthlessness as well around not not doing anything is that you kind of sometimes come to that that tipping point where actually hey this I'm I'm excited about going and doing this other stuff but also I've got this kind of pain pushing me from from the back as well to to sort of urge me forward with it as well and I don't want to I don't want to sit in there for for any longer one thing that I wanted to talk to you about Dallas from from that is is that sense of resentment and kind of the depressive feelings that you had through that period as well when did you kind of become aware that you needed to do something about these that they were they were hanging around and actually you needed to kind of get out and change them yourself that resentment didn't end until I actually had caught up with them again not voluntarily but in the year of 2013 my stepdad my then stepdad's father had passed away so he had to come back to Wainui for the funeral and um that was the first time I actually seen his face in 10 years so a whole decade and for that 10 year period I'd wanted nothing but to obviously punch him uh, hit him cause him the same pain he caused me should even speak to him but it just it never got around to it the day he came back to New Zealand for his father's funeral and then the day that I saw him was probably the day that I actually let all of that go in in advance I already knew he was coming back so I thought in my head you know oh, this is my chance to make him feel everything that I felt but I don't know it, it didn't I just didn't feel that way once I saw his face I, I felt actually empathy or sympathy I felt sorry for him because I knew right then and there once I saw his face that that was the first time I'd ever consider myself a man above him because obviously this is a guy that raised me for a lot of my life and then to finally stand in front of him man to man I felt like I was more of a man than him at that time and I was only 22 and he was 44 so yeah I I felt sorry for him and I had my brother and sister my brother and my sister on my on my sides and they're supposed to be his you know they are his kids but I just felt this like this feeling of you know, you missed out on raising these kids and that was something you'll probably have to live with for the rest of your life. Whether that bothers you or not is, is up to you, but at least I know that I've done your job for you and that deep down I'll always know that despite all the, you know, upbringing from him, he was never a real man that I thought he was. And so I, actually a lot of that pain and a lot of that experience is what pushed me to do what I do today. To one, not be like that or be like him, which is a common common stereotype in New Zealand especially for Maori men 
and to be a real, real man. And by real man, I mean like a family man, a working man, an honest, honest man, which is there's not a lot of these days. So I would say that's probably how it affected me most. For, at first, negatively for a long time, but as self-awareness and, and maturity started to develop, it then became my drive or my fuel for my career path, mm. I guess, yeah. Dallas, how has your um, how's your self awareness developed over time? And is there anything that you kind of do to to work on how self aware you are? <laughs> I often get told a lot by my friends that I <laughs> I overthink things or I think too deep or I overanalyze a lot of things. But in all honesty, I think a lot of that is actually self awareness. It's it's you self evaluating yourself, reflecting through your actions. I mean, yeah, it can cause scenarios in your head that may not exist or whatever it may be but I think I think truly thinking about what you do how you do it why you're doing it and on a consistent basis is what helps you create self-awareness and granted you'll make mistakes through that process where you will overanalyze things or overthink things that don't exist but I think through that trial and trial and error starts to become this self-enlightenment where you start to to analyze your actions before you do them and you start to consider why you're actually doing anything really um, and so that's how it developed for me, uh, as well as obviously, you know, learning and reading and studying and, and all that self-development stuff along with it. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing I've taken away is, is all the, the crap that I've been through has, has helped me realize, you know, the priorities in, in life, I'd say. So what's important and what's not important. And I think self-awareness, uh, self-awareness is something that isn't really understood or is, isn't often talked about, especially at a young adult's age where I think that's probably where it should be, or even younger, I would say, like at high school would be ideal. Yeah, yeah. and like I, I kind of had a similar journey, I think, with developing my self-awareness as well, is that like you start out and you just kind of start kind of becoming aware of your thoughts and what's what's going on and then start kind of asking your, your quest, yourself questions around that and sometimes that's pretty uncomfortable actually as well, is asking yourself that question and, because you don't like the answer that you get back. Exactly. from it but the trick is to kind of keep asking yourself those those questions and and often asking the same question over time as well because each time you ask it you go a little bit deeper you get a slightly different answer from it too and exactly. uh, it kind of just helps helps you understand yourself a little bit more but kind of starting starting off with that just kind of watching yourself asking yourself questions and then you kind of reach a tipping point actually where you have a bit of self-awareness and you know your values and what you the way that you want to live and kind of how you want to step up and and be a real man and what what that means to you and what what's important with that compared to sort of sometimes what society sells us is a is a real man but once you once you kind of reach that point where you start to understand yourself a little bit more you can set those values for yourself and you can start to kind of base your proactive decisions and the way you want to live your life on that stuff that you you've learned about yourself and it just that's when it starts to get a little bit more exciting and and interesting i think self-awareness i mean defined for me is is the ability to logically criticize yourself so i think if you criticize yourself and then that you take that to heart and then you know you start hating on yourself that's that's not self-awareness that's that's negative self-talk that is you're putting yourself down then that's not healthy obviously i truly believe self-awareness is when you're able to look at your actions or or your behaviors analyze it evaluate it and honestly and then go forward with that information and adjust it if, if it need be a good example would be you know if you if you've just gotten out of a rough relationship and 
you need to spend some time thinking about that that relationship and how it did or did not work for you what you did right and wrong what she or he may have done right and wrong and then to honestly answer the questions to yourself without bashing yourself but you have to be honest you have to remove the ego part and you have to fully be honest and say you know this is what I did wrong this is what I did right now I know what not to do in the next relationship that if I do get into one I think once you've done that self-reflection and evaluation then you can start working on yourself and that's when the self-development now kicks in and unfortunately in 2018 we're in a world where a lot of people just jump from relationship to relationship which I think was was what causes half the problems we have in society and that I think that stems from a, a place of insecurity of not wanting to be alone which is which can be a rough feeling and that's something I forced myself into uncomfortably was to be alone and be aware that you're alone but stay alone and not you know go out and pursue girls or, or anything really for the sake of, of comfort so it really was a good self-awareness experience I would say yeah 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 that's that is that's really interesting and I think in the society that we live in at the moment there's there is so much going on and and kind of the you're sold the idea that you to be happy you you need a partner to be to be happy that actually it's it's no wonder that people go out and just kind of pursue relationship after relationship but without taking that time and without taking that space to understand what it is that you're that you're looking for and also to understand to what it is that you need to be able to do to make yourself a better person to engage in in relationships then actually that that cycle just kind of repeats itself over and over and over and it's taking taking that time and taking that space it, it's hard sometimes definitely because you think oh, i just need to get there now but with with if you just jump straight into the next thing without stopping to to analyze and stopping to to think then you're probably going to have a pretty similar outcome to what what happened last time that's exactly right and and that's it and you're just jumping from boat to boat repeating the same things without actually thoroughly realizing i'm just doing the same shit over again no it's no wonder that i can't get into a better routine or get uh, have a better relationship with people or whatever it may be and it's like anything else if you don't analyze i mean if it's sports you know and you're constantly making mistakes or or errors in the game or in training you can't keep jumping from game to game doing the exact same thing you literally have to take yourself away from it and and analyze what you're doing wrong and again remove that ego and say oh look maybe it's me that's causing the problems or whatever it may be and then to attack to, to attack it properly or to approach it differently and so that's probably something I've learned the most out of in terms of relationships is the self-awareness. I think a lot of my self-awareness came through through that stuff through the the adversities of dealing with post-relationship breakups yeah I would say and when you when you step back and step kind of away from a situation and get into that self-awareness self-analysis mode do you have some common questions that you ask yourself or common kind of thought patterns or processes that you go through in terms of how you kind of structure what you're what you're looking at from a situation I guess I mean I never thought about that exactly until now and now that I am thinking about it I would say it would be like a a process of grief do that first which is probably the first step that most people skip past is that they try to soldier on through the feelings and then you know keep busy with work is, is often the alternative keep busy with gym or training but I think it comes in the process of and in order grief to, to you know to sh- get rid of all the emotions that you may be feeling anger sadness whatever it may be guilt and then to go through the processes so self-reflection to understand the whole relationship start to finish you know how, how it started how it ended 
the best times, the worst times, self-evaluate. And I do this for me. So if it was like in my own my own experience, I generally I would self-evaluate my actions and where I went wrong and what I also did right because you also have to be proud of some of the good things you do. You can't always just focus on everything you did wrong. And then I guess would be after uh, self-evaluation or self-assessment would become uh, would come self-development. So now it's just working around one how not to cause those same problems again in another relationship going forward. And this doesn't even cater into just relationships with the opposite sex. This is just any kind of relationship, you know, the relationship with you and your mum, relationship with you and your friends, whatever it may be. And then, yeah, so once you go through the self-development processes, and this may be a range of activities, it could be anything from reading books, you know, about mental health or about relationships or about communication, interpersonal skills, whatever it may be. Exercise is obviously is one that we all get told. Nutrition and my overall outlook would be the balance of things. So I, I feel most relationships end because of the imbalance in, in the person's entirety. So most people that generally have broken relationships or come from broken relationships is because they spent 99% of their time with that one person. And I feel that that's where most people generally go wrong. I'm not saying that you can't do that because some people you know, love spending 100% of their time with the other half, but I think there is a sense of balance that is required in, in your life. And so I think for a lot of people my age and, and lower, or younger, sorry, I feel like they spend a, a, probably a bit too much time with the other half. So, I mean, my current partner knows this now, and I've told her, you know, all, the, all my past experiences and, and how I dealt with it, and I said the same thing, you know, I, it's a process of self-everything, you know. So grief, self-reflection, self-assessment, self-evaluation, and then self-development. And then that, that last one is the most important because unless you're not doing the self-development, then chances of you going back into another relationship and repeating the whole entire process is probably just going to be the same way. And so I think that self-development is where the self-awareness comes from, is the ability to go, is the, yeah, the ability to, to critically but logically judge yourself without emotion because it's, it's the emotion part that people start to feel the guilt and the depression and the anxiety. And that's, that's not the way we're supposed to view it. I don't think, but I mean, we are an emotional creature, so and this mm, is the hard part. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it, that, that's a difficult part, I think. And I mean, part of that when you when you start the process, it's it's inherently uncomfortable for yep. people. And like, even I'm sure that you go now and you do some self reflection and self development, and like things come up that you're like, man, that's just really uncomfortable to think about. And it's like, I yeah. I messed I messed up big time there, and I need to kind of go back and think about what I did and it's hard to do and it's hard to do kind of fully fully dispassionately i like the way that you approach it kind of going through that process and i mean you use the word grief like experience the grief to start with and like i think with with any kind of self-reflection or self-analysis like grief isn't the right word for every situation Mm. but sort of allowing yourself time to experience that emotion initially and kind of just be with it and, and have it is is really important definitely before you start this other process because if you jump straight into the into the self-reflection or self-analysis while you've got all this kind of emotion that you're sort of bottling away there then that really one that makes that process super super uncomfortable but also it's going to skew the answers that you give yourself because it's really hard because you're holding on to all of that emotion you haven't let it out it's going to skew the answers that you give yourself yeah, definitely. because there's 
there's still so much wrapped up in there with that it's kind of like an emotional bias like because you feel sorry for yourself so you're not ready to judge yourself yet because you're too busy literally feeling sorry for yourself so you're like oh you know woe was me i'm sad everything that happened wrong was her fault she screwed it up i'm sweet and then generally three weeks later you're in another relationship and that's it's just too common around my surroundings anyway i mean i see it so much and so it's no wonder the relationships don't last very long i mean i'm not a relationship expert obviously but it's just just an observation that i, I kind of made and, and obviously i apply for myself and and i feel that it probably won't happen or doesn't happen until you you start to mature anyway so it's not like i expect 18 year olds to learn self-awareness as soon as they break out of relationship because i mean that's part and parcel of all of it is is to to make those mistakes and then to learn but that's the key part is the learning part and that's what most people fail is that they don't make a mistake and then learn from it and then go again and then make a different mistake instead it's they make a mistake don't learn from it make the exact same mistake don't learn from it and that pattern just continues and until something you know kicks your ass in the gear then i guess you'll never be aware of it you know you're the causation of your own problems and i mean unfortunately that can happen across generations as exactly, well as yeah. that that kind of that, that mistake unfortunately keeps kind of popping up Definitely. until someone in the in the line sort of does ask themselves some different questions when they're less emotional yeah i mean so a lot of that was is what contributed to to where i'm now and, and the way i i think and understand things but taking it back before that I think it was kind of weird the same year that my mum had passed away was probably the year that I learned everything about me was 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 that particular year in 2013 um, I was only 22 my mum passed away from cervical cancer my, my brother and sister were only 11 at this stage they don't have a they, they don't have their real dad in their lives or never did and now they don't have the, their mum in their lives so for me personally this was probably the hardest point of stepping into an uncomfortable position where I was expected and presented with a lot of things that I wasn't no way near ready for yeah off the top of my head I would say that whole year because this was also the same year that I kind of just started personal training as well and I was also trying to complete my diploma at um at Welltech doing the exercise science rehabilitation paper and so I think that whole year just it crumbled for me real quickly so when when that happened like you were placed in the position of of looking after your brother and sister at that time yeah my mum's mum my nan was living with us at the time and she was at the age where she was probably ready to retire and go on holiday and whatnot but um unfortunately she was put into a position where she had to become guardian of my siblings and so she fulfilled the mother role and by default, I or I had already fulfilled the father role. It just made that whole scenario just ten times harder, is what is what it did. But um, yeah, it was that point going forward is where I truly started dealing with real adversities. So that first year, I'm a PT at Les Mills. My mum had just passed away, and I'm trying to run a business on my own and get my you know qualifications to do so. And I guess my mum passing away, I was actually quite motivated actually to do well and 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 then and the obviously to make my mum proud and whatnot and that whole year went pretty smooth it wasn't until the next year that it all kind of kind of crumbled dallas i mean when when that happened how did you how did you get through that situation like what were your thought processes or what were some of the the actions that you you took to 
to get through that? I guess my thinking processes was, if my mum was here, she would want me to go uphill, not downhill. So that was the level of thinking I took into everything I did. Unfortunately, that, that thought process didn't sustain for very long. The next year, in 2014, my cousin Dawson committed suicide in prison and inside his cell, and that's also my nan's nephew. And it was that passing or that, that death that kind of properly triggered my mum's death the year before. And so that's when the true depression, the true grief, and everything in between kicked in. At the time, I was with my ex-partner, so she was in a new environment. I mean, she's, she wasn't, she's not from here in New Zealand, she's from overseas. And so she had to deal with all of this new experience uh, within my family. So dealing with my cousin's death was hard in the sense that it wasn't now just my mum, it was my cousin. And on top of that, it just felt like everything around it was, was kind of crumbling. I quickly turned to drugs and alcohol really fast. I remember distinctly in 2014, I would often in and out go out of binges without even kind of realizing it. I was still working, I was still training, but in my private time, that's what I was doing a lot of, of um, was drugs and alcohol and, and just kind of keeping to myself and not wanting to go to any events or be social with anyone. I actually found it really hard to be social in general. Talking to people was, was I found extremely impossible. Trying to generate a conversation of anything was hard. So because of that and because of my depressive, I guess, demeanor, I didn't want to put myself around other people and bring them down. So I thought the best thing for me would just be to shut myself off from everybody else. So for the next year and a half, in conjunction with still being with my partner, I spent a lot of time, if not with her, alone. And that continued for the next, well, for the rest of our relationship until we had a really, really nasty split. And that kicked everything in big time, just because of the way it ended. I was 100% on my own. I think a couple of months after we split and then she moved back to her home country, I unconsciously uh, spent a couple of months on my own, locked in my room pretty much, like a jail cell, binge drinking, binge drugs, and literally just probably feeling sorry for myself. So it was just rough in a sense of like, I'd lost... My stepdad, my mum, my cousin, oh, friends and family in between, and then now my partner, the dog, went with her. Yeah, just it just felt like I was just losing people. That's that's what it felt like, 24-7. Yeah. And I didn't feel like it was fair. Shit, mate, that is, that is mm. pretty tough, and like it's, uh, it's kind of not something that I thankfully have have had to had to go through but i think i mean there are there are definitely other people out there that have had had to kind of experience a variation of of that that situation and i mean what what got you out of that point that you were that you were locked in your room doing all of this stuff and just and feeling sorry for yourself how did you start to to come back the year was 2015 roughly around april that's when me and my then partner split. So it was from April, May, and June were the, the three months that I spent locked in my room, keeping to myself, staying up till all hours in the morning. Just not a really healthy lifestyle overall. But it wasn't until I got a specific phone call from my tutor who, who helped me 
with my certificate in exercise science and, and a bit of my diploma who told me to come back and study and also had told me to finish my diploma because in the year that I started PT and that my mum passed I was halfway through that diploma and I decided to withdraw because it just got too much for me so in 2015 he he must have heard the scenarios in or he must have heard from some mutual friends what was going on and so he decided to ring me and this was a tutor or a teacher that I, I heavily respected because he had helped me through a lot of my quali- qualifications and and whatnot his name is Shay Todd and um, he rang me and said you know I want you to come back and finish your diploma well first of all we'll come back for a catch-up and then you know I want you to come finish your diploma so I think because I, I heavily respected him it was something that I could easily say yes to because I obviously didn't want to let him down and and when I during that that six months that I went back to go and finish off that diploma I started feeling myself and coming out of the shell that I was in or, or the hole that I was in obviously I was going back to study so my brain was being stimulated again in a positive manner and I was going back to training and I was I was being busy and I was achieving so it just felt like I was slowly back on the, the climb but the thoughts were all still there the thoughts never left and here and there the drugs and alcohol still never left either and then oh sorry just before the end the start of 2016 I was asked to come back to PT at Les Mills because I'd, I'd left briefly for a bit just to kind of deal with my shit I was asked to come back I wanted to come back and I started back fresh and clean again from 2016 till this point now. But in 2016, I, I was in another relationship. This one, not very long compared to my the one before, which was two and a half years. This 2016 one, I was only six months. But for some unknown reason, I still had the, those thoughts there of insecurity, of overthinking, of depression, of anxiety. And so it kind of it kind of re-stimulated everything back again. I get, I now that I look back on it, going back into a, another relationship, yeah, it kind of re-triggered everything all over again. So for me, that was a another rough period that year. And once that had ended, that was something I probably couldn't really accept very well. And I fell back in the same hole again. Yeah, that that was most of 2016. I did post that relationship. I I did. I was seeing another person but once that had finished I had this conversation with myself one specific day and this was towards the start of 2017 and I said to myself I'm literally going to force myself to spend the next minimum six months on my own no pursuing anybody in terms of like relationships with girls or anything not even a hookup no town nights nothing zero I just wanted to do my own thing and and focus on me and my mental and physical health and my career and that was probably the best but most uncomfortable decision I made for myself was to do that and I think that's what helped me change a lot to Mm. be honest I mean do you still have some of those thoughts that pop up from time to time yeah definitely Um, especially when when things get a little bit hard or high pressured they just become easier to deal with I guess you know five years ago or three years ago three to five years ago I'd have these thoughts and, and you know one or two thoughts would put me in in a state where I didn't want to go to work, I didn't want to get up, I don't want to talk to people, and that was including my own family. I just didn't want to do anything. It was a very doomy, gloomy kind of mm. feeling, and I would call that depression 100%. But I guess the way I deal with it now is that I always think, my, like my level of thinking these days is, you've been through worse, so this isn't shit. You know what I mean? And that's how I kind of have that thought approach to everything, is that you've, like, what more could you lose? You know, so it's just like, with that line of thinking, I, I go and I attack everything with 
100% confidence and with an awareness that you've lost all these things. So the pain that anything can cause you going forward probably will never amount to the pain you've already been through. So I guess uh, that kind of awareness is, is mm. what helps. Yeah, and I, and I think like with, with that over time, as as we talked about earlier, you kind of develop these these new skills and this new awareness of around yourself about kind of what's what's worked to to help manage these will help kind of work through these emotions previously and you kind of constantly sort of refining the way that you the way that you approach them and I mean, yeah, stuff stuff comes up that that triggers that triggers you and usually it's it's shit that we don't expect. Definitely. Um yeah. but kind of having having worked through this stuff beforehand and kind of dealt with all of this discomfort that actually stands you in really good stead to to deal with any stuff that that comes up in the future because you have put this work in and put this time in to train yourself to do it and like it's it's not something that you would you would wish on anybody but every time that you go through something uncomfortable and you and you kind of work through your process and learn from it then you come out the other side with with new skills and and a different kind of strength with it as well yeah 100 percent. i agree and dallas i mean with with the stuff that you're that you're doing at the moment like one of the things that was quite interesting for me about you was that the fact that you want to change the way that the fitness and the mental health industry operate as well kind of based on the experiences that you've had like what would you like to see things shift to or what what do you want to be to be doing in in that area through a lot of the dark stages of of the things i'd gone through i'd done a lot of reading especially around books around uh, gratitude self-awareness self-development consciousness psychology so i i actually in the year of 2016 i i went and studied health psychology did my diploma and that wasn't at the time. It wasn't for any career reason. It was it was purely just to understand why I was thinking the way I was thinking all the time. And so I thought that well, I already have a pretty decent knowledge around the human body in terms of anatomy and physiology. But I wanted to know not just the anatomy of the brain, but why it thinks the way it thinks, and more in particular, why my brain thinks the way it thinks. And that was funnily enough. That was the year that I got told the most that I ever thought or. Uh, I overanalyze everything and, and it's because I truly did. I, 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 I think a lot and probably too much, but I guess it beats not thinking at all. Yeah. So yeah. it's, um, it, yeah, that step that led me to a, uh, a series of learning about gratitude. And it wasn't until I came across the study of the law of attraction, uh, which there was a book and a, and a documentary about called the secret and, I read that quite a bit and that fascinated me quite a lot about the way you think. So once I, I came across that, I delved deep into it. It led me to another book based under the Buddhism philosophy of Four Foundations of Mindfulness. It also led me to to learn about the Maori philosophy of Hawara or well-being, so the Tafara Tapafa philosophy or construct. And it looks at a person's mental well-being emotional well-being physical well-being and spiritual well-being and i think all four of those foundations are so critical in life yet majority of people don't firstly don't even know they exist uh, or don't even know that that's a thing and secondly they don't implement it 
into their own lives as such. So we live in a world, it's 2018, everything's, you know, done through social media and, and technology and, and it's such a fast-paced world and with so many distractions that I feel the only level of success or achievement that people give themselves is if it's a career. You know what mm. I mean? As if they're earning good money. I mean, these days you're deemed successful if, yeah, you've got a good, you know, stable job, you've got a lot of money in the bank, you've got nice materialistic possessions and you may have a girlfriend and, and that for a lot of people is a complete complete life and, and I think it's just out of bullshit because I've met so many people that are extremely financially well off have a have a partner or kids or whatever it may be are super intelligent and are good at their chosen profession or sport and are still unhappy and it's because mm. there are things missing in their lives that they're just unaware of and lack of awareness I should say comes from a place of being way too busy to even consider it you know, so busy chasing a career path or a, or a goal or a dream that they often forget that, you know, there are other areas in their life that also need attaining. So with that being said, I try to consciously every day live my life in a sense of, am I attaining to the physical needs of my body? So I exercise and I, I try to eat, you know, relatively healthy. You know, personal hygiene is a huge one, proactive health care. And then the other one is looking at the emotional health. So their interpersonal relationships with people healthy and that you're speaking to people that are closest to you about what matters to you most. I think the foundation around mental well-being should be around self-development and the sense of learning. So you're constantly always stimulating the brain. And lastly is the your spiritual foundational well-being, uh, spiritual well-being. So looking at, you know, your beliefs and your and your faith and and I guess what what you see is is the end result after life you know whether it be christianity or buddhism or i mean even if you're an atheist but you find some sense of spirituality within mother nature i mean whatever it may be is is it should resonate with you and it should resonate with you without even trying it should just be fluent and so yeah every and so for me personally it, it's that whole foundation on gratitude it's that's that gratitude practice and i'm not a religious person per se although i have experienced the life of christianity when I went to when I used to go to church with my cousins or Catholic when I used to go to high school in Australia, a bit of Buddhism, but I just felt none of them resonated with me. So gratitude for me is, is a huge thing. It's what sets the principle of everything I do. And I try to generally start the day with, you know, this is what I've still got left rather than this is what I've lost because that was my mental approach to everything or that, that was my thought processes. I've lost this, I've lost that, I've lost this and, and it just wasn't helping anything. So I changed, I redirected my energy and started thinking, you know, well, I've still got my grandmother, I've still got my brother and my sister, I've still got a roof over my head, I still have a bed. And there are a lot of people in this world that don't have any of those. So already that would put me in a good good buzz or a good, you know, good attitude. And then when you've got that good attitude, then you can go do the shit that you're supposed to do on the daily with enthusiasm. And generally when that happens, you actually complete things. However, on the other spectrum trying to do things when you're feeling sorry for yourself and depressed 24 7 nothing gets done so yeah that that first one gratitude was the one that i think truly shifted everything for me yeah is, is learning about the word the definition and then the practice of it and and the thing is is that it that practice never ends it's a i believe it'll be an ongoing practice for the rest of my life and something that i i yeah i would love to teach other people too and this is what comes back to the fitness industry today is that it's so commercialized around image and what is hot and what is not and what is expectation and i just think it's the physical aspect of that is not nearly as important as the spiritual and the mental side of it 
I mean, I'm in a gym where I'm surrounded by people who are strong, who are super fit, who are super lean, and they still can be unhappy. So it'd be nice to see a revolution where people trained their brain or their mental approach to things or the way they think about things as much as they did their physical body. That would be the goal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's very cool, man. I, I completely agree with all the stuff that you're talking about there. I mean, the gratitude is a like it's an awesome thing to do, and like all the studies out there that show actually, if you spend two or three minutes, that's just all it takes. Yeah. Talking about or thinking about what you're grateful for, actually, you're a much more positive person on a, on a daily basis. And I think, like in terms of the in terms of what you're talking about in terms of kind of training your your mental well-being as well as your physical well-being utilizing these different principles and kind of looking at things in a more of a holistic approach is is super important if you're just exercising so you get good abs then yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with having good abs at all but <laughs> no definitely not if you if you just do that and you kind of just take a reductionist approach to it that Hey, I'm going to do this, and this is this is this one thing is going to make me happy. Rather than looking at all of these pieces of the of the puzzle that are important for my general well-being and happiness, you get to you get to focused on one thing, and yeah. you usually attain it, and often you will attain it. But you're not happy when you when you get there. So it is that it's kind of that that complete picture and complete package that you're that you're looking for, and. I'm going to enjoy actually seeing how you go about doing this. I think it's going to be pretty awesome awesome to watch and hopefully have a few more conversations with you about as well. Yeah, definitely. It's something that I'm, I'm very interested in. So, Dallas, I've got some questions, mate, that I usually ask everyone towards the end of the chat. The first one is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? A lot of people probably laugh, but it was actually um, agreeing to go back to... Well, not go back to, sorry agree to go to university in general I always wanted to go to uni no one in my family has ever gone to uni and just in, in general and then to actually complete and pass uni so it's never happened in my family so I thought I'd be the first but fear is what prevented me from pursuing uni for a long time I mean I'm, I'm now 28 I, you know I wish I had started when I was 19 but I would say yeah it was applying for uni this year and it was thanks to a good friend of mine Dave and, and my partner Megan that helped me kind of believe that I could actually do uni and complete it so I'm, I mean I'm halfway now through this year and still got another year and a half to two years left and then probably would want to continue after that ideally otherwise if not that it was probably that six months yeah, yeah. and I mean I mean that was truly uncomfortable in a sense that and I'm sure a lot of people would agree it, it's hard when you're in a relationship and you're, you're used to spending so much time with somebody, you know, whether it be hanging out on a daily basis or even just going to sleep and they're next to you and then to automatically get used to being on your own and literally being on your own all the time. And I think people fear that, but I don't think it's something to be feared. I think it's something to try and embrace as hard as it can be. And, you know, obviously you spend a lot of time with your friends and family so to keep you um, happy, but I think that's truly the probably the hardest thing I did was was that six month stint of just doing my own thing by myself so that I could you know develop a lot of my I guess my attributes or my personality or whatever it may you can call it yeah I'd say it would be definitely be that cool Dallas what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you <laughs> well this is my first podcast so it was actually going to be this <laughs> um, but I've also got a, an, another interview with a another friend of mine 
who would like to ask me some questions around health and fitness and mental health awareness and and just I guess my career and, and what I do in general um, and he wants to do a live stream <laughs> so I mean it's small but I, I would say that's that's borderline uncomfortable for me but if not that it would it would probably be just steps in, in my career I've never been a person to back myself 100% up until probably the last year and a half two years I mean I've always had this commercial oh, or this front of a of a confidence but generally I'm pretty nervous and, and I, it's one of those fake it till you make it <laughs> but um yeah I, I would say probably just uh career pursuits or career decisions I guess Cool. Mm. Right, uh, given what we've talked about today, I think you're going to absolutely crush this uh, this live stream, eh? You'll be you'll be <laughs> sweet with it, Dallas. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about this already, but do you have any other strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Yeah, I, I think. I mean, at the end of the day, like we see celebrities and, and artists look so com- confident and comfortable on screen or on stage or whatever it may be. But the truth is, and the funniest thing is, is that they all started at the same place we are now, and so we all feel the same feelings this is and this is the thing is as humans we all feel the same feelings to a degree and i think in order to to jump in something you're uncomfortable doing or, or want to do i told my partner this it's literally just a thought of fuck it just fuck it two words two simple words that have helped me do a lot of the things that i probably never otherwise would have done and it's just to literally just say those two things to yourself back yourself 100 percent as hard as it may be and the worst case scenario will be you learning something is, is how I see it because if you view it as a win or loss then your thought processes is already wrong it should be win or learn and so worst case scenario if something doesn't work out for you that you pursued or, or tried uh, you learned something and then with that skill that you learn or whatever whatever it may be that you learn you can take it into the next pursuit of doing something uncomfortable again awesome yeah. man that's a that's a great strategy actually um, Dallas I've got a couple more quick questions for you mate but I just want to say thanks again so much for taking the time to come around yeah, no sit worries. down have a chat to, to share your story and thank you for your self awareness to take all of the experiences that you've had and start giving them back to, to the community as well through the stuff that you do and, and what you're what you're teaching and I think that's a, just a really important part of kind of shifting our local community but sort of the, the worldwide community forward as well which also obviously is is helpful for your well-being too to be yeah. able to go and do this stuff so thank you so much for that mate oh no worries now if people want to support you or if they want to kind of follow along with your journey what's the what's the best place they can do that you'd be able to follow my journey personal journey either on facebook at dallas tahuna or on even on instagram dallas underscore tahuna I'm pretty open with what I post, you know, whether it be family, uh, personal hobbies, whatever it may be. I, I'm, it's not just my career that I post about. So, and I don't shy away from being honest or, or you know, telling the truth as I see it. So, yeah, I, I, most people would be able to follow what I do through there, or you can even just come down to Les Mills Hut City for a training session. Sweet, bro. <laughs> sounds sounds good. I'll throw some links up to uh, to all of your stuff as well. Now, Dallas, final question for you, mate. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? The challenge I would ask most people would be every morning just to write down one to three things you you actually literally are so grateful for. And that could be as something as common as like most people, family, or it could be something as very simple as, you know, I, I have a roof over my head. So, I mean, we all live in Wellington and it's raining here. So if you don't have a roof, that's super unfortunate. 
but you know it's the, it's the real simple things that I think people overlook very quickly and it, and the most important thing just to just to put your phone down turn all the appliances off and just sit there in dead silence and think about it truly and how it would feel if you lost those things because that's what causes that that sense of gratitude um, and that you want to keep it forever I mean uh, like I said everyone's so busy in a distracted world that we just people just don't do that often enough mm. so if you can implement it into your daily routine somehow, whether it be in the morning to set the tone for the day or at night to, to be appreciative of everything that happened in that day, I think that'd be a good start. Yeah. Definitely, mate. That's a that's an awesome challenge. Dallas mm. Tahuna, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. <laughs> no, cheers, bro. Thank you. That was awesome. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Dallas and I today. I definitely want you to go away and work on his challenge around writing down what you're grateful for, but also see if you can put in practice his process around self-awareness and um, how to how to develop yours. And I'll, I'll put together maybe a little bit of a document so that uh, if anyone wants that written down, then I can I can get that out to you. So. Flick us a message on Facebook at Uncomfortable is Okay or on Instagram, Uncomfortable is Okay, or even send me an email, Uncomfortable is Okay at gmail.com, if that is something that you'd like to get your hands on. Now, again, as I mentioned at the start, I'm pretty stoked to be an ambassador for Floatwell, uh, so check them out, floatwell.co.nz, and if you use the promo code CHRIS, when you book your float, you get 15% off a casual float. If you like what you heard in this episode and if you think it's going to be valuable for some of your mates to have a listen to, I'd love it if you wanted to share it out. Um, it just helps get the get the message that it's okay to be uncomfortable and deal deal with that stuff that everyone, everyone goes through it. Um, gets that message out to a few more ears and hopefully helps a few more people out. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week and as always, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today.